Cows, bulls, and pups of all ages, plump up your penguins, insulate yourself from the icy sea, and proudly display the development of your sagittal crest. Because it's time to talk tall to me. You did this the last time. Oh no! I'm one joke. Same, same exact sound and everything. Welcome back, everyone. I am Nick McGill. I am Omen Said. We are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me, a salty sideshow performance in which Nick, the bearded lady, and Omen, the Prince of Pain, explore the dark side of prog rock. We lay down on Ian Henderson's bag o' nails pierce ourselves with broadsword and beast, and are burned by the cigarette butts of a thousand mothers. All for your enjoyment. That was, I'm not going to add anything onto that. That was really good. You like that one? That was a good one. Hey, S- thank you. Solid writing from Omen Sade. <laughs> Didn't put any effort into it at all. <laughs> About damn time. <laughs> so, Omen, we don't have anything this week. We do not. In terms of emails or reviews or anything of that sort. You know what we do have, though, Nick? Mm, I think I have an idea. Oh, let's have a listen to it. Ah, indeed. Nick, what is the delightful frosty beverage that you just popped open. I have Ellicottville Brewing Company's Pineapple Upside Down Shake. Dear God, of course you do. (laughs) India Pale Ale brewed with pineapple and cherry puree. I, um, I'm horrified. I'm disappointed. And I'm, I'm proud that you're living your best life. And you're not surprised. And I'm, I'm 100% not surprised. (laughs) What do you have, Omen? I, I have a juice bomb, also an IPA, an India mm-hmm. Pale Ale, from the Sloop Brewing Company. And have they, you had that before? I've had a lot of Sloop, and I have had the juice I mean, bomb. I've heard that about you. I have also had a lot of IPAs, and I think I have had this one before, but I don't think I've ever had this one on the podcast before. The, the, the juice bomb sounds familiar, that's all. That's the only reason I ask. Well, that was my name in that was my nickname in high school, Juice Bomb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was there when they christened you that. Never that's, got the stain out of my car seats. That's true. <laughs> All right, enough enough shenanigans and hoppery. Let's Eno- jump right in. Blather brew to me. Blather brew to me. Dinkle drinkage to me. <laughs> enough, enough, nonsense. enough. I say. <laughs> Elman, what are we going to listen to this week and then therefore talk tall about? Nick, we are going to talk tall about and listen to, although not in that order, a very peculiar bonus track off of the Warchild album. So peculiar. It is It is Sea Lion 2. It is an acid trip. Enjoy. <laughs> Let's have a listen. <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, Omen? Uh, Nick, Nick? Nick, are you there? Omen, what the hell? Where am I? Where? (laughs) What happened? What the hell? Nick, usually I take notes while we listen to these songs, but this this time I just went into the fetal position in in my heap of shoes. I feel like I was just attacked. I feel like I was just just accosted for three minutes and 21 seconds. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. This is, to be clear, this is, this is, this is not the first time either of us has heard this song. No, I feel like this every single time I hear it. (laughs) I know. It never, Yes. you never get used to it. There's no inoculant. It's not a surprise, but it's also still not pleasant. (laughs) You know, I do have to say, and maybe this is my streak of, what's the word, Nick? The opposite of sadism? Masochism. Masochism? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's my streak of masochism, but I like this song. I enjoy listening to it. I but I I for the same reasons, because it's so unsettling and disquieting and just just all over the place. The thing that I found very disturbing was trying to listen was listening to it while at the same time trying to make sense of it. <laughs> which I've never done before. I I'm not entirely sure there is any sense to be made. Well, join us next week when we talk about <laughs> Rainbow Blues. Yeah, I mean, let's let's as we sometimes do, Nick, zoom out and and get a bigger perspective on sure, right? On on life. What does it all mean? And specifically, you know, this album was released in 1972, correct? Four. Four. I and think, wasn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm going to check that now. Sometime in the early 70s. And I I think it's important to, to remember the yeah, huge 74. effect that Monty Python was having on the, mm. the British consciousness and the, the world consciousness at that point. Sure. But I'm not saying that Monty Python is responsible for the absurdism that we are seeing in this song. I, I am saying, however, that... There was a wave of absurdism flowing through certainly English culture, which was crystallized in many forms, one of which was Monty Python and another of which was Sea Lion 2. Yeah. Yeah. It, there, there was some sort of zeitgeist that, that inspired the, this, this form of, of absurdity, yeah. of, of farce. Of, of caricaturized farce, like farce that has been boiled down to its barest, crispy elements. Yeah. It is. If if Sea Lion... Sea, sea Lion was the balsamic vinegar, and Sea Lion 2 is your balsamic glaze. Yeah, where mixed, it's lost mixed a with lot opium. Of, yeah. Just, just, just a bonkers. hint of opium. Just a just a snoot of heroin and a touch of opium, and it's frantic. It's bananas. It's it's it is a it's a fever dream. Have Have you ever seen Requiem for a Dream? Ooh, no, I haven't. Oh, it's it's. I've heard it's amazing. I believe Darren Aronofsky, I believe. Okay, it's I would believe. Dark it. and twisted, and and he he does some really just just 
awful and like beautifully awful, like amazing cinematography and, and yeah. direction, awful in terms of the drug use and the effects of the high and things ah, like that. And that's what this feels like. This feels like I'm 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 in an, an audible version of of Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. yeah. Like, woo, it is. And it's so fast paced that I'm uneasy the entire time. Like I can't get a grip of it. And it changes so many times. The mm-hmm. the te- the tempo changes so many times. And I think that the time signature changes a number of times as well. I, I tried, would not be surprised. I tried my level best, Nick, to determine what time signature was being used in this song. And because I do not possess a degree in advanced string theory, I could not come <laughs> up with, with the time signature. String like like D strings. That also, yes. But, but I am also <laughs> referring to quantum mechanics. Yeah, the, the string part for this little-known fact was actually played on the strings of probability that, that make up the fabric of the universe. And, yep, and that's, that's why it is the way it is. That's why and, it is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I do find really interesting about this, though, is the fact that it switches tempo and it switches rhythms so frequently, and then we have mm-hmm. that really strange and delightful break in the middle where we go to the carnival world where the music almost drops entirely out and we just switch Mm. to the accordion Cecil is a clever sea lion Cecil sometimes swims and often sits Yes, balances multicolored striped balls. Clever Cecil. Jeffrey Hammond as our Barker. Oh, is it? Is that who it is? It's got to be. It's got to be Jeffrey. He is. He's the go-to for the speaking part. It's definitely you, not Ian. Do you think it's both voices, or do you think it's just the guy who says and balances striped oh, no, multicolored he's, balls? He's the main one. Okay. The 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 second one that one might be Ian actually. Huh. I have a I have a funny story about the end balances multicolored striped balls. Please. I I first got this, not obviously not War Child, but the album with the the bonus tracks, back when I was in college, my first year of college. Yes. And in that year, I wasn't yet working at, on the construction crew at the Playhouse. I was, I was a booth monitor. Mm. So like they they you you sit there and you make sure people swipe their card and if they don't swipe their card you got to take their name etc. At the entrance to one of the buildings. Yes, at I the see. entrance to the the dorms, one of the dorms. And that that summer I was on the night shift. I was like, oh dear, gosh, ten to ten to four in the morning, ten to six in the morning. Oh my gosh. So I'm listening to this song for one of the first times, and I have headphones in. And I don't know if you no- noticed in the stereo, the and unbalances multicolored strut balls is only in the right rear. I did not notice that. So when that came for for the first time, when that came up in the song, it freaked the hell out of me. Yeah. I looked around the booth. I th- thought for sure someone was there. 
Why they were talking about multicolored striped balls, I, well, I'll, I'll never know. But it is college. It is college. And I was a drama major, so yeah. juggling dance. Yeah. So so yeah, that is that was my first exposure to to Ian or Jeffrey. I think that one's Ian. But uh, screaming that in the background. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. This this whole album makes such interesting use of what's the thing where sound is just sort of around ambient. This album makes proficient use of ambient sound throughout, and this track is, of course, no different. I think one of the things that makes this song so successful? Successful at what? I'm not quite sure. (laughs) At being a song. At being weird is, well, of being unforgettable, if nothing else, is that crowd noise Mm-hmm. That we hear it's in, in that that middle section where the hawker is talking about his his beloved sea lion, yeah, and and part of me wonders where they got that audio, and part of me doesn't care. But another part of me <laughs> wonders about a true Tolkienologist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this question I do not nah. put put it in the pile, <laughs> put it in the burn barrel. It'll keep us warm at night. But part of me wonders about how much this song and the atmosphere of this song was inspired by Ian's days at Blackpool, mm. which, as we've discussed before sure. in the podcast, is known for its seaside, carnivalesque, boardwalk yep. atmosphere. Which was a, a good number of years now at this point by 74, and and. Memory has a tendency to to condense mm-hmm. and exaggerate over time. Yes. So this this could very well be pretty nigh on to to how Ian remembers it is as just being kind of loud and cacophonous and and in your face. Certainly could be. I mean, it's it definitely feels like it's a distillation of something. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Meth. Yes. That. Oh, that's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, I do think that there is certainly a, a seaside flavor to this song, and yeah. I cannot get it out of my mouth, Nick. You need you need to, to take some vitamin C. What? <laughs> Speak, speaking of parts in the middle that kind of divulge and break off and kind of turn— Yes. There's that one really nice sax bit in here. Oh yeah. It's kind of the 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 sweetest nicest part of the song where they go into the another another semblance of the original sea lion tune. It's are you talking about the bit where it's sort of like Yeah. That was actually me making that sound with my mouth, Nick. That wasn't the recording. Oh. Yeah. That was I thought you just played it, right? No, nope. no, that was just wow. me. Wow, yeah. remarkable! Thank you. Remarkable. I've been working on that. But it's it, it is the it's such a nice little sax part. And to be completely honest, I needed to really think about 
what that sound snippet came from. I thought for sure it was a different song off of War Child, not just mm. Sea Lion, because it was so drastically different. But I think that's the nature of this song. It just oh, absolutely. You every time you think you have footing somewhere, it pulls the carpet out from under you and sells it on the street corner. Yeah, and it's it's the carpet that your grandmother gave you, but it doesn't care. It doesn't care. No, no, it's on a rampage. This song, this song is on a rampage. It's very good. <laughs> speaking of speaking of musicians uh, who play on this song, it appears <laughs> that that Ian let let Martin off his chain for this song, mm-hmm. and he really just goes for it at the beginning and all throughout. It's a really grungy version. Yeah. And you know this is this sound that Martin produces is to me very Martin Barr esque. You know sometimes ba- Barian, Barian, Baroque. Bahrain. No, I think I think that one's taken. That one yeah. is definitely taken. <laughs> but you know we've discussed on this podcast that sometimes Martin Barr is a little bit of the the, the chameleon of guitarists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he seems to be emulating other guitarists, although, as we've said before, he never listened to other guitarists because he didn't want to be influenced by them. Yeah, right. But in this case, I really think this is the sound of Martin, this this awesome overdrive, short burst, turbocharged electric mayhem really for me is the sound that that typifies his his work with the guitar. It's it's certainly it's certainly one of his signature sounds. Yes, because that's a good. We're gonna we're it. gonna start getting significantly lighter and folkier, just even in the next the next album. But it's still it's still really nice Martin work. So yeah. it's it's not. I I wouldn't say this is his one and only. But but darn it, if you. If you pulled out a Martin Barr song that I didn't know and said, who's this? I, I could probably probably identify it based on, on this being one of his more unique sounds. Yeah. I also want to pull out the wonderful work that Barrymore Barlow is doing on this song. Mm. The, three, the three of them, really, by whom I mean Martin Barr, Barrymore Barlow, and Jeffrey Hammond Hammond, really yeah. have this incredible synergy in that early section that sets off that sets up the song mm. <laughs> And then I'm a big fan of Jeffrey Hammond Hammond's One Note Special. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I I think so. He does it all throughout the song. He does this thing where it's literally on one note for several measures, and it's just... <laughs> I will... I will try my hardest to drop that in here because it's so as as we know it's difficult to point out the bass, but but it's yeah that's I'll I'll try and I'll try and find a part where it's it kind of sticks out. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's not that it's not that he does one note for the entire song, of course, but there are significant sections where it's just he has this one note riff that's just awesome. It's like <laughs> it's like Sting singing. Jeff, Jeffrey Hammond Hammond, master of the one note riff. Yeah. <laughs> the one the one string bass. <laughs> well, that's a that's a washtub bass. That's yeah, one string bass. That's true, but it's very hard to play one note for any length of time on that. Correct. Do you know, Nick, that I used to be something of a washtub bassist myself? You know what? I didn't know that. Did you not? I don't think I did. I played it in a show in Chicago, and I got mm. pretty good at it. And uh, I built several washtub bases, mm-hmm. and then I later built a what I called a a washtub cello in Paris, Ooh. which was made out of some scraps that I found, and I played that <laughs> to 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 effect in our soirée du mystère at the Lecoq School. Mm-hmm. And then I built a more complex washtub bass instrument for a show that I did a couple of years ago, which was a, a wooden bass with a single tensioned string, which also had three strings just on the neck, which could be which could be tuned to single notes. Very cool. Yeah, this this was all in the time period where you and I never saw each other. We talked on the phone like once every six months, three months. It was it was pre the renaissance of our talking relationship and 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 before talk tall to me that's right not to say that we had a falling out tall no. skulls don't worry no we've been we've been great we just We're, no one worry about our relationship omen omen was a traveler yeah that's right omen was a traveler at that point and also didn't have a phone for a lot of the time <laughs> what else do we want to talk about with this song nick i like that I like the sax, the very last note, that sax, like, whoa! Like, it's yes. this desperate, like, I, I can't take this song anymore. I'm leaving. Yeah. Now, Nick, would you like to, you described the song as a as a fever dream. Mm-hmm. I sure did. Would you like to know what the internet says sea lions represent in dreams? Oh, I think... That's why that's why I love you being I love the you opposite too. mind to play off of. Yes. Because I never would have thought of that. So this is from a website called shamanicjourney.com. <laughs> dot, dot biz. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure it's a very, very well put together website. This article by Ina Woolcutt talks about... Sea lions, seals medicine, I'm now quoting, includes protecting, oh, protection during change, dreaming and lucid dreaming, imagination, creativity, protection from danger, movement through emotions, and the inner voice. Wait, is this if you dream of them? This is just in general, but it's oh, shamanic. Okay. So like, you know, shaman stuff and dreams, it's all, it's all the Sure. Thing. It's all, aren't we all just dreaming? Are we all shamans of our own dream time, Nick? Aren't we all just sea lions dreaming of balls with clocks in the middle? <laughs> balancing a multicolored striped ball. <laughs> but I think that's actually quite interesting. You know, imagination, creativity, inner the inner voice. It's it is almost like Ian has tapped into his his inner child. And my God, <laughs> his, this this inner child has had way too much cake. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's about to crash hard. <laughs> but it is, you know, it is to me. It's like he reached into his early memories of of being a, a child wandering down the boardwalk of Blackpool and seeing. Maybe it wasn't a sea lion. Maybe it was just a dog who was standing on its hind legs, and he. You know, his child self transformed that into this almost mythical, intelligent Cecil friend. Yeah, I wonder. I really wonder. I I keep trying to remember to look at at this. These songs as part of the whole, because more more so than any Mm. other album, it's I think it's really helpful to see that based on the fact that this would have been a soundtrack. So, yes. so where does this fall in the movie? Where does this fall in the chronology of the writing of Sea Lion versus Sea Lion 2? Like, did they have that in mind or did they write Sea Lion and like it and then and then and and then give its baby brother steroids and and, and, and all sorts right. of bath salts and and set it free? Like where I, and these are all just these are all things we'll never know. It's so charming, Nick, listening to you, listening to you list list drugs. I could I could just listen to that all day. It's great. It's so much fun. You know, it it occurs to me that in the cinematic uh, context, this song actually makes a bit more sense because it is the reprisal of a theme that we've already heard. That's a very common okay. thing in musicals, in operas, mm-hmm. in ballets, and, of course, in films. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to imagine, based on what we do know about the cinematic tendencies of Ian Anderson, even though we don't have, even though the, this film was stolen from us by cruel, cruel <laughs> fate. And someday we will open up that interdimensional porthole, Nick, just to go see this film in theaters. Yep. Not only do we, it has to be not only interdimensional, but it also has to be a time machine because we got to go back to see it. So yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I thought that went. It's going to be complex. That's fine. You can bring it. It's going to be complex. I just, I just don't want anyone to expect it anytime soon. No, but certainly by the time we get to the end of this podcast journey, most likely, yeah, safe bet. I, I do think that I could totally imagine this song as the, you know, some some works of art have the dream ballet and some of them have Mm. the the nightmare carnival and i think that this would be a great soundtrack for the bit where the hero has taken a wrong turn and has gone down the rabbit hole backwards and and is some elements of the film have been turned on their on their heads as it were yeah every everything's flashing lights and quick cuts and 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 weird colors yeah yeah it's it's some dutch angles (laughs) oh I I had all of my Dutch angles removed. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. <laughs> the it's interesting that you say down the rabbit hole, which is obviously a mention to Alice in Wonderland. Yes, a nod to Alice in Wonderland. But it it kind of feels that way, doesn't it? It kind of feels like that. It that does. Everything yeah. is just super wonked. Yeah, uh, there's topsy turviness around every mm-hmm. corner. Is some bizarre new delight. Things that you that were once familiar have been changed in some disturbing way. Yeah. And I and I can see our our ringmaster, yes. the the narrator talking about Cecil, Jeffrey Hammond Hammond, progressing in terms of grotesquerie and exaggerated features, much in the same way that he did when he narrated The Hare Who Lost His Spectacles. He's a bit he's a bit the mad hatter of this yes. Alice in Wonderland journey. Yep. 
Speaking yep. of changing, Nick, would you like to know mm -hmm. another fun fact about the mythology of sea lions? Yes. Yes, I would. You are familiar, no doubt, with the legend of the Selkie? I am. So the Selkie, for any listeners who may not be familiar, is a mythical creature from Celtic mythology, which is a sea-dwelling creature which changes into human form and sometimes lives on land, sometimes mates with humans. And then there's a famous song about a a woman who falls in love with a selkie, has a has a child by the selkie, and then the selkie comes back and reclaims the child and takes him to the sea. Well, that myth was a long ago tied up with sea lions. It was believed that they could change yes. their forms. And if you look at a sea lion, it does sort of look like an improbable animal and seems a fair bet to say, you know, that's just the outside of a much more reasonable, normal-looking animal that lives inside that animal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it is the the seal. It's a seal folk, right. Scotch mythology, Celtic mythology, and what's isn't it a horse too? Or am I thinking is that a kelpie? Is the kelpie oh, a horse? I don't know. Maybe yeah. Which kelpie is going to be a bonus track? <laughs> Wait, is that up, I think is that true? Yeah. Yeah, that was not a joke. That was... Oh, Kelpie is going to be bonus track number three off of Stormwatch. Wow. Well, yep. I guess we'll talk about it then. We'll talk about it 11-16-2021. Oh, just right around the corner. <laughs> a fun scientific fact about sea lions, Nick. Yes? Is that their ancient ancestors were similar to bears. Oh, I could see that. Sure. Yeah. That's they it. were land, land dwellers, land oh. dwelling bear type creatures. And then one day they were like, what if we lived in the water? Speaking of going from the land to the water, did you know that whales have the vestigial bone structure implying that they lived in the water? Right. Evolved to go on to land. Yeah. And then evolved back into the and water. We're, we're like, nah, hell No. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. Uh, we got it right the first time. Who did you just vote for president? See ya. We're out of here. Yeah, I'm about to. I'm about to evolve back into the sea myself, Nick. <laughs> Lyrically, going back and speaking about the hair who lost his spectacles. Do okay. you reckon he doesn't wear spectacles or a scarf as a reference to that? Is it just coincidence? Hmm. I don't know. It's hard to know. It's an. It's an animal. It's a reference of an animal wearing. Or not not wearing in this case, right? Uh, human human clothing, anthropomorphic clothing. That's interesting. I don't think so, but the word spectacle just really kind of jumped out at me. It's a it's a very specific, noticeable word, you know. Could be could be that it's just a favorite word of Jeffrey Hammond Hammond. That that is also an option. It is a great word when you're looking for for fun, silly verbiage. Spectacle is 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 up there. It's a good one. Now, yeah. that is also in the section, Nick, which is the S and S sound section. Cecil the sea lion is serene. No, mm. he doesn't wear spectacles or a scarf. No central heating or cement. No, the whole ocean is Cecil's home. Cecil the sea lion is serene. He doesn't wear spectacles or a scarf. No central heating or cement. Well, the whole ocean is Cecil's I mean, granted, they do say Cecil is a sea lion. One, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I think fifteen times. Fifteen and a half. Sea lion. Fifteen and a half. Right. I yeah. did not count the half. We can't forget Cecil is a sea light. Oh, and that's where the sax comes in. I think. Right. You don't have to play it, Omen. We can oh, just make the no, sound. No, no, Nick. That was that was that was me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I am the saxophone. So you are at the end. If if nothing has happened by the end of War Child, at least you have become one with the sax. You you wash out your mouth. <laughs> We we need to cre- create a segment that I can use you saying I am the saxophone. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. needs to be a sting for something. Yeah. Tulskulls, if you have any ideas about what segment we can do with Omen saying I am the saxophone, please write in. Yeah, please do that. Omen, mm-hmm. what do you mm-hmm. got for this song? Anything else? I don't think it, it even warrants really talking about the lyrics. It is just. I think we talked about them. We talk multi multicolored striped balls and spectacles done covered. Cecil I, is a sea lion. I do think, and I want you to know sincerely, Nick, that I have no idea where this sentence is going. That Ooh, love it. That the song offers us a a to, a topsy turvy world in which it has so humanized an animal that it makes us question our own humanity. Uh, Period. I I think you might be reading a little a little bit into it. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. You know what? Maybe I don't know. But that being said, people who who train animals mm-hmm. do generally begin to to see personality and see anthropomorphization because they're with that animal all the time. Well, and because animals do have distinct personalities, as as we all well, know right. from having pets. Yeah. Yeah, but it's I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that the ringmaster would be saying, like, yeah, this is Cecil, and, and he likes this, and, and he can do this. And... Oh, absolutely. That's, that's a very—and I think that's why this song is so provocative, is because it has—if it was—if it was—if this— Nick, if the jewel of this song <laughs> was set in a more traditional musical setting, sure. we would we would accept it as oh yes, this nice animal trainer has a lovely friend who's a sea lion. How lovely! Yeah. How how normal! How 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 pedestrian! Yeah, if if the delivery weren't so flat out bonkers, but it makes you yeah. wonder if there even is a sea lion. I, that's why I stopped going to church. I just I didn't know. You didn't. There was no I didn't proof. Know if there, there's no proof. There's a sea lion. Sea lions. Why? Why? Why would? Why would? COVID nineteen happen if there were a sea lion? Omen? If sea lions loved us, <laughs> why would they be punishing us like this? It's more of an Old Testament sea lion than anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. In the beginning, there was nothing, and then there was Cecil the sea lion. <laughs> the, it, it, he first he, he made a multi-striped colored ball. And it was good. Is is Cecil gendered in this song? Well, Cecil is he. traditionally a, a male 
Yeah, he doesn't wear spectacles or a scarf. He doesn't wear spectacles or a scarf. No central heating or cement. No, the whole ocean is Cecil's home. And that line, Nick, I know that we're a little bit BSing in this section, but I do think... Uh, A little. (laughs) I do think that there is an element or an undercurrent or a a micro-theme there of Cecil is sort of a a rarefied or, or perfected creature, sort of better than humanity because... Cecil doesn't need central heating. It doesn't mm. have to worry about cement. Cecil is free as the ocean and can go anywhere. Doesn't have he doesn't need spectacles for his eyesight or a no. scarf to keep warm. No, he has dense layers of fat. Is Cecil perfect? Cecil is a sea lion. Cecil is a sea lion. Huh. I think we should quit while we're ahead on this one, Nick. I think we should quit before we're any further behind. Yeah. We highly encourage all of our listeners who have made it through to this point in the episode to immediately schedule an appointment with your psychiatrist to repair the terrible damage that has occurred (laughs) from listening to this episode of Talk Tell to Me. So genuinely sorry. Omen, what are we going to listen to next week? Ah, Nick, I actually know the answer this time. You do. Give Mm. it to me. We are listening to the next bonus track off of War Child, Rainbow Blues. Rainbow Blues. A funny little mm. funktastic, delectable deep dish. Another another really nice funky jam. Mm Mm-hmm. So good. So good. I like this one a lot. I like a lot of these bonus ones. I like a lot of this album. I don't know if you know that. Did you I, realize that? Just I do. Or? I do, Nick. And I like I like Jethro Tull, and I like you. What a perfect combination. What a perfect place to end it. Until next week, dear listeners, if you feel like you are balancing a ball on your nose while the world burns around you, take a dive into the freeing ocean of the internet and leave us five star fishes. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. That really co- genuinely caught me off guard. Oh, good. <laughs> Thanks, folks. Come on back next week for Rainbow Blues. <laughs> you don't need a spectacles to see how much your friends would enjoy this podcast, so go ahead and share it with them. I'm Nick McGill. <laughs> I am Omen Said. We are Feckless Moms. And this has been Talk Tall to Me. Thank you for joining me. Ladies and gentlemen, I have in front of me Mr. Jeffrey Hammond Hammond. It is a <laughs> pleasure. It's a pleasure to see you. Oh, I, I mm. must say I've been a fan of your base work for a very long time. <laughs> and uh, mm. I have a, a, the, the list of, of questions that we, we agreed upon here. Mm. So mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. could you tell me, yeah. what what is it like to work with Ian Anderson? Well, Cecil... Is a sea lion. Oh, wow. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I kind of expected it, but it still it still surprised me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so on 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 top of that, like it's obviously it's amazing to have basically on your resume that like you were the bassist for Tall for a very <laughs> long time. You got mm-hmm. to work side by side with Dee Palmer and Martin Barr, Barrymore Barlow, some mm-hmm. of the greatest rock musicians of the time. How how do you feel being able to call those people your contemporaries? <sighs> Cecil is a sea lion. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's that's very humble of you and that's mm. you know honestly that's why we appreciate your work so mm-hmm. much. Now, I'm I'm going to get a little personal here. Mm-hmm. It says uh, we did a little research and mm-hmm. we found that that you actually had the hands of a prominent bassist transplanted mm. onto your arms so you could play the bass so well. Mm-hmm. Now, it's it's not most people don't know that, but mm. you finally came out and, and really admitted that. How do you feel about that? Are you ashamed? Are you Oof. proud? I mean, you do make amazing work. Cecil is a sea lion. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. That just, mm. you know what? That's beautiful, and that just, you were just so, so human and vulnerable right now, and we can really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, now I'm not going to take any more of your time, Mr. Hammond Hammond. Oof. I just, just one final question. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for being open and, and honest with us. Now, just really, the, honestly, the most important question we have today is, is true, true or false, Talk Tall to Me is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. Ooh. Does he balance multicolored balls on the end of his nose? Get out! Get out of here, sir! Get out of here! Get the back. I'm sorry. Was that an interruption on your end? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cecil is a sea lion. <laughs> <laughs>